I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You were locked out of the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me, as always, my co-host. We made it to the player previews. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Oh my gosh. Today's a week. We're a week away from media day. Inching closer. We did it. Uh, well, we haven't done it yet. We still have a week <laughs> to go technically Um, we haven't even made it there yet because it's uh, sunday (laughs) that's true it's sunday um all right today we're we're starting our player previews i i do have a quick really quick family story slash announcement so we we found out the gender to baby number two the other day and super quick backstory like two weeks ago we're at a doctor appointment we know how it happens isaac do y'all want me to explain how uh, the birds and these congrats. Uh, uh, but <laughs> two weeks ago, we're at this like doctor's appointment, the nurse or whoever does the ultrasound person. Uh, that's really cool and fun job. Uh, basically they said, they asked, they said, Hey, I could take a really good guess on what the gender is. I'm like, nah, mm, huh. a really not good guess. Like, what? Like 50%. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> no, let's, not, let's not take a guess at the gender. Okay. <laughs> so we can like get our hopes up yeah. for something else. And uh, I was leaning towards no, of course my wife is like, yes, tell us uh, my wife won. And uh, the, the, the lady, the nurse said, Hey, well, I think it's a girl. So, so literally for like two weeks, we're like, okay, we have it in the back of our mind. We're like, we're not getting our, you know, not really, you know, but all right, we're having a girl, all this stuff. And then, so we go on Friday for like the confirmation for us, it was going in as a confirmation, but I'm like, realistically, man, if they say a boy, it's going to throw us off a little bit because we've been kind of expecting a girl because that one nurse told us and took the guess when she shouldn't have took the guess uh, because (laughs) you don't guess on these things. 50%. And... So anyway, we get into the ultrasound thing and uh, the nurse looks at it. She's like, hey, you're having a girl. And uh, she like fist bumps in the corner like I was right. (laughs) So, yeah, obviously our first child was a boy. He's a little over one year, one year old. And uh, now baby number two coming in February, March, somewhere around there. Oh, trade Uh, deadline. Let's go. I know. I know. Uh, We'll be uh, we'll be after the trade deadline. So it'll be like buyout time so um <laughs> so uh anyway yes buyout, my, our second kid is going to be a girl so i'm ex- super excited let's to be go a, a girl a girl dad and all of that stuff and dad. uh there you go for all of all of, i don't know how many of you that care about my family <laughs> i do there's at least one of us you care nick i do care man that is awesome and congrats to you congrats on the sex congrats on uh Oh, I meant congrats on the sex, like learning the sex of your baby. Sorry. Learning that, that's the what sex. I, that's what I meant. That's what I meant by it. So. Yeah, I mean, that's what I understood. As. Congrats. Um, there's not a good transition to this. On the podcast today, we're going to be doing a uh, player preview of Kristaps Porzingis, the uh, 7'3 big man from Latvia. We're going to be talking about him, previewing his season, bunch of big questions. We're going to do these play- player previews similar as we've done them in the past. Uh, we'll do a short profile on them, talk about their role for the coming season. Uh, and we'll do a little bit of background for people that are maybe listening for the first time or people that 
don't know the NBA that well. We'll do a brief background, so it might be a little review. But we'll also do the biggest question going into the season and then best case and worst case scenario. And if you know us, that will take us two hours to do. So mm. we'll do that. But before we do, we've gotten a bunch of five-star iTunes review questions. We appreciate everybody that has done that. Um, Tex1988 says, listen every day, love it, keep up the good work. Question, if you could pick any player from Mavericks history to be the missing piece on this team, so this current Mavericks team, besides Dirk, who would it be? So I guess you get a player in their prime. So who's the second greatest Mavericks player ever, and who would you plug into this team right now? Honestly, I'd take Derek Harper. Interesting. Yeah. I, lo- I love his defense next to He's around. Uh, <laughs> Harper. I mean, obviously, I'm a, I was initially I was thinking like Deshaun Stevenson, you know, like a role player like that. But if you're giving me any player, yeah, I don't know him. I got Rowe. one. I got one. Yeah, Sean Marion, absolutely Sean Marion. Okay, yeah, one hundred percent Sean. Or Ty, I mean, you can put Tyson Chandler, I guess, too. But I think I would take Sean Marion nah, over I'd any take, of them because just the yeah. defensive, you know, Swiss Army knife he could be would just be amazing next to Luca and Porzingis. Like that is your. Three, four, five that would just crush at the end of games. Yeah, that's true. I'd probably switch it to Marion, even though Harp's a close second. For Chance and Jerry's Duck Army. That's his name, which is kind of hmm. funny. If given the choice to have both for their entire career on the current roster, who would you rather have? The young versions of Dirk and Nash, knowing what their careers would be, or the current potential of Luca and Borzingis? So it's kind of funny that these are both like hypothetical historical maps. So let's say that you could go back in time and do the Captain America thing, go back in time, grab Dirk and, and Nash when they were young, back when they were both on the Mavericks, and bring those young versions to today's NBA and watch their entire career. Or you could get the potential of Luca and Porzingis right now. Uh, Dirk and Nash. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think Dirk would be even better in today's game. Ooh. And he was already a top 15 player of all time. You think he would be a five? Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be kind of like what Porzingis, but I, I mean, I think he'd play he the could, five a lot. Yeah, but, he could guard yeah. a lot of fours, though. He was athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young Dirk could guard. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, young Dirk would. Oof. Growing up in this league, mm. yeah, I think I would take that too because Nash is two-time MVP. If Luca gets two-time MVP, I mean, that's he'd have to do really well. <laughs> he'd have to really yeah. do things, but I think he can do it. But. I mean, yeah, Nash was just something else. Like, he changed basketball the way that he played. So, there you go. Those are some five-star iTunes review questions. Get yours in. Uh, We appreciate that, Uh, everybody that has done that so far. And uh, also, if you're not following us on Twitter, we are currently Locked On Mavericks Podcast. We are 46 followers away from 3,000. Locked On Podcast. So, I just wanted to announce that. So, go follow us at Locked On Mavs. You can also follow Isaac at Isaac L. Harris. You can also follow me at Nick Van Exit. The links are in the bio. Uh, you can also check out my free Dawkins videos in the link in the bio. I just did a series on Paul George and Kawhi, which I thought was really interesting. I also just finished a video on Al Horford and Joel Embiid, which is going to be a really interesting combo duo going into the season. Um, that one should be live on Monday, if not Tuesday or Wednesday. So you, you can look at all my videos. You can also look at all the articles that Isaac has written on the link. So you can check that out. Um, all right. Before we move on to the preview, Isaac, did you have a long day at work today? 
Yes, I did. Are you somehow still stuck in the office, even though I know that you're not? Treat yourself to the meal that you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Isaac, we're sponsored by DoorDash. We made it. Let's go. Right now, our listeners, the Lockdown Maz listeners, the Raccoon Squad, can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code Locked On. Mm. Promo code Locked On on DoorDash. Christoph's Porzingis preview coming up next. All right, Isaac. So, Christoph Porzingis, the seven foot three big man from Latvia, he just turned twenty four years old on August second. We need to do better with remembering birthdays on this podcast because we've definitely had a podcast that day, but we did not wish him a happy birthday. He was traded on January thirty first from the New York Knicks with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee, who are still on the roster. He was also traded with Trey Burke, who is not on the roster. He was traded for De- uh, DeAndre Jordan, Wes Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., and two future first round picks that are now. 2021 and 2023. The 2023 one is top 10 protected. So that trade went down last season. He played three years for the Knicks before that. He was an all-star in his third season. He was an all-star at 22 years old, Isaac. Mm. Here are the all-stars. They were 22 years old or younger over the last 10 years. You ready to hear these names? I'm ready. Anthony Davis three times. Mm. Kyrie three times. Blake Griffin twice, Kevin Durant twice, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, Porzingis, Towns, Drummond, Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Paul George, Drew Holiday. Hmm, Drew Holiday that young. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, when he was with the 76ers. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. It's a pretty good list. Yeah, it's a su- I mean, super good list. I mean, it, the fact that he made his first All-Star appearance uh, within his first three years in the league. Now, that obviously uh, was the season in which he did tear his ACL. He only played 48 games that year. Uh, but he was named to be an All-Star that third year. He went down with the ACL tear. He back you know missed the uh missed the All-Star game. Obviously, they replaced him with Kimball Walker at the time. Uh, this is actually one that... Um, a piece I, I wrote over the summer was just how good Porzingis was. If you go to the Mavericks team site, Mavs.com, uh, and you search my name, whatever, click, click you can that see. link. Click the link in the description. Yeah, there you go. Click the link in the description. You can see I really dove into the numbers of just how good Porzingis was the last time he was on the court uh, as this full time starter, and he was absolutely insane. People forget it, and I. People forget it, but I don't blame people for forgetting it because it was such a long time ago. Uh, so I think all of us, we've seen so many people play basketball at such a high level over the past you know year or so that, yeah, we've kind of forgotten the level that Porzingis was at at that time. And if he can get back to that, that's one of the questions. Porzingis' role on the Mavericks is kind of obvious at this point, even though we haven't seen him play a game. But we're going to keep doing the role um category for the rest of the player previews because it's going to be different for a lot of players but Porzingis's role we've talked about it over and over and over again on this podcast but for anybody that may be listening for the first time Porzingis is going to be playing the four on offense so he's going to line up as the four he's going to start as the power forward quote unquote and he's going to be playing the five on defense and so the Mavericks have started Dwight are going to start Dwight Powell next to him who's going to play the five on offense and the four on defense he's going to defend fours he's going to you know, be the rim roller on offense. So that's kind of going to be Porzingis's role. He's he's playing the four on offense. He's the, he's the star. He's a shot creator. He's the guy that's, you know, he's probably going to run around some screens. He's definitely going to set a ton of screen and rolls, uh, pick and pops himself for Luka, for DeLon Wright, 
Uh, he's going to be doing a lot of that stuff. That he's going to be a, a huge focus on this team. Yeah, I mean, offensively, the I mean, the role is kind of you. Everyone knows it. I mean, everybody uh, it, to say and define his role, he's going to be one of the two stars of the team in him and Luca. Um, he's probably going to average over twenty points a game. Uh, hopefully, um, yeah. If he doesn't, that, the Mavs are in trouble. <laughs> the Mavs are, are in trouble at that point. Uh, yes, I mean he he's a star. He's been a star. He he is a star now, and that's his role offensively. And like you said, defensively, that's kind of where the versatility of Dwight comes into play. It's where Dwight's probably going to take on uh, some of these fours, let Porzingis guard some of these fives, but but then offensively, you. You know, Rick Carlisle, we've talked about this a lot. He's very defined with his roles. We've talked about this before, too. Each player in the locker room has a list, and they have five different um, characteristics, what we would say yeah. before, uh, of their role on the team. Luca has one. Everybody has has these you know characteristics, these things that define their role on the team. And It's like the- leader, floor general, hustle man, like uh, creator. It's a rebounder, you know, things like that. Yeah, so that's why uh, when you look at the five spot for Dallas – Dwight Powell fits that perfectly in this rim rolling type of uh, type of center for Dallas. When you're going to look at Porzingis, kind of taking this young Dirk type of role uh, in Dirk's kind of early days and all that stuff. Going to be super fast paced. I think we're going to see a, a much faster Mavs team that we've been used to seeing uh, seeing in the years past. Uh, they're going to chuck up a ton of threes. Uh, just looking at Porzingis uh, stats wise, you know the most threes uh, his All Star season he averaged 4.8 threes a game. If I could put a, uh, we're gonna do a board bet, <coughs> uh, yeah, on, and we're gonna do board bet podcast uh, coming up. But uh, one of those is like I want to throw out there is over five threes a game, and I'll take the over on that. Oh, that's not fair because I would take the over. What about let's do six and a half? <laughs> oh gosh, that's difficult. Right, six. Right, that's six what the, no, that's what over unders are supposed to be. You're supposed to have a hard time picking the over. Okay, well let's come back to that because I want to do some research yeah, yeah. on what some other bigs uh, do on that. <laughs> but honestly, he should be taking more. That is that is his, yeah. one of his most effective shots. He's really good in the paint, though. He's really good at you know rising above defenders. There's just not many players. They, they did the sports science thing where the guy, you know, what's the guy's name? He he was standing on top of boxes. You can go look up sports science with Porzingis. I think it was his first or second year in the league. Is that Brian Scout with <laughs> Bill Nye, the Scout with Brian guy? <laughs> uh, so the the sports science guy is is standing on top of these like crates, these boxes, and he had to stand on top of like ten crates. It was insane. They had to they had to like grapple him to the the ceiling. They had to put like a pulley system on him where in a harness where he so because if he fell off the boxes, he was gonna hurt himself. So that's how high he was in order to just block his. Sh- Porzingis is shot. Um, and so he can just elevate so high over players. And, and he, he jumps. And for a 7'3 yeah. guy, that, that's huge. It sounds really simple. But for a 7'3 guy, he, the dude actually takes a jump shot. Like when Durant. He's taller than Durant. <laughs> Yes, and you know, obviously Durant jumps on his jump shots. There's a lot of you know seven footers, seven foot three guys. They just don't jump in their shots. You look at somebody like Dwight Howard, Al Dwight Horford, really, yeah, Al Horford, you know, Joel Embiid. Like yeah. these guys don't jump in their jump shots. The, imagine, I mean, I mean, imagine you see it. Porzingis imagine. at seven three, he t- he jumps and you know with these shots, it, it man, it, it's just impossible to block some of these shots. And real quick on the roll thing. It's the pick and pop with Luca that we're all just dying to see. Because how do you defend it? 
when you have somebody like Porzingis, who's going to be this dead-eye three-point shooter, you have this pick-and-roll kind of master already in Luka. If he comes up, sets a pick on Luka, Luka goes off the screen, that that big defender has a choice at that point. So if he has to hedge a little bit, then obviously Porzingis is popping. Then Luka has a decision like, hey, well, if your defender comes with me, then I'm just going to hit KP for the three at the top of the key or whatever. It's going to be a nightmare for teams to, to guard. And I think it might take a little bit of time chemistry-wise between the two, but when they figure it out, it could be something super deadly. It is. You can look at one of my videos um, on Free Dawkins, why Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis will be the perfect fit or are the perfect fit. Um, look at that breakdown video, and it kind of breaks that down. I even made some sample plays of how they could, could run it uh, with you know Luka running like a pick and pop and Porzingis actually hitting the three at the end of the play. So if you want to go kind of imagine that, there's there's a way you can go do that. Isaac, what is the biggest question for Porzingis going into the season? Uh, we touched we touched on a little bit with Tim Cato of the Athletic when he came uh, as a guest. Gosh, I don't know around during free agency Shouts. or right after free agency, I guess. Uh, I think the biggest question is an obvious one: What does load management look like for KP this year? Uh, we need to see what the, this whole injury timeline is going to look like for him because even though that we all expect him and everything going into media day next week and training camp next week is, hey, he's full on go. He's good. He's healthy. He's basically set out all of last year. He started practicing at the end of last year but never saw a game. So like he should be good and ready to go. But that doesn't mean he's not going to be setting out games for load management. He's still going. To, he's still seven foot three guy who tore his ACL, you know, however long ago, two years ago. Uh, they're still going to manage that. I said I brought up Tim Cato because Cato was on this pod. He threw out the number around fifteen. He said, "Hey, man, I've heard a little bit around fifteen games that we could see KP, you know, setting out just rest, just to ease, you know, ease back into all of this." Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. I, I I'll throw out there a personal number of sixty-seven to seventy games. That's kind of what I expect from from KP this year. And some of you might be saying, "Man, that's like low sixty-seven games." Still, I, I think it's if we can get seventy games from KP. That's obviously you do your math on. It, it's obviously twelve games. That's just off of rest. You know, hopefully nothing else goes wrong. But if you look at sixty-seven to seventy games, they give him. They have this load management thing. It's not going to be matchup dependent. I think it's something that Dallas is going to set down before and look at the schedule they probably already have and say, hey, these are the games that he's going to be setting out. And with this the is, trainers. This is, yes, with the trainers, with his brother and Giannis, with him and say, this is our plan for this season. You know they've already went over it. So I think that's the biggest question. It's going to be a question for Media Day for Rick Carlisle and Porzingis and everybody. Huge. That's going to be one of the talking points. And that's what we're all trying to wonder too. Of how many games will he set out for this load management stuff? Yeah, I've been on a couple of podcasts, uh, especially Locked on Fantasy on this on this network. And Josh asked me, he's like, you know, how many games do you think he's going to sit out? And my number was 13 because I think the Mavericks have 13 back-to-backs. And it just seems like the right number. Maybe he'll play some back-to-backs, but 13 seems about the right number. He'll play 69 games. Like, that's a nice number of games, nice. right? Like, <laughs> you ruined the joke. I know. I didn't know you said <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's a good number of games. Uh, for him to play and we have to remember that he's still he still has not played a full year this is a delicate situation i know that everyone is gung-ho about you know what does gung-ho mean like that could just be a complete like that could be a racist remark i have no idea i have no idea what that means gung-ho like all in i know but i know what it, I what know. it feels like <laughs> where does it come from 
I don't know. I don't know where half these things come from. Anyway, I know we're all excited. We want the Mavericks to go all in for a playoff run, but this season is it, there's a lot riding on this season as far as Luca and Porzingis, you know, coming together, becoming that magical duo we all hope. One of my big questions, I had a couple. One of them was obviously can he stay healthy? How do they keep him stay healthy? Uh if he does stay healthy, then how can he return to form or can he return to form slash improve? Is he better than we saw? you know, 2018, or is he going to be back to that? Or is he maybe going to regress a little bit as he tries to figure out how to play, you know, post ACL uh, injury. And then my third biggest question was, is the Luca and KP connection magical from the beginning or is it going to take some work? Is it something where they step on the court and we say, Oh dang, this is as good as we think it's going to be. And, you know, just like Luca, we thought Luca was going to come in and be good. We didn't think Luca was going to come in and be Luca the way, the way that he played. Hopefully, this Luca and KP connection is the exact same way, where it's, we think it's going to be good, but it's going to be even better than we even thought. What if it's not that, though? What if, it's, what if we realize it's going to take some work? Uh, they're going to have to figure some things out. The end of games, Porzingis is you know trying to take the last shot, and Luca's like, that's my thing. I'm like the best player in the NBA at that at, at times last year. <laughs> that's my kind of thing. So that's another thing. Is, is that connection going to be as good as we think or hope early in the season? Yeah, I mean, is it safe to say that Luca is the best player that Porzingis has ever played with? I look back at this. I mean, he his rookie yes, season very was yeah. Well, his rookie season was Carmelo's last season in New York, and uh, I bring up Carmelo because Carmelo d- definitely had some really good seasons uh, in New York. Uh, yeah, but that comparing Luca to that last Carmelo season in New York, Luca, I think Luca's a better player. So this will be the best player that Porzingis has played with in his young NBA career. And yeah, I think it, I think we'll, we will have to figure out, uh, just the mental side of that too, especially if Porzingis comes out starting starting off hot. He played those last two years two years in New York as the main focal point. That that third year, like I said before the ACL thing, like we both talked about, he was an All Star that year. He was the man. Like that was it. He was so New now- York's savior. He was the guy that I mean, New York Knicks fans were just dying for a guy like this. Imagine if after Dirk retired, the Mavericks didn't get a player for what twenty years. They didn't have anybody like after Patrick Ewing retired, the Knicks just didn't have anybody young and exciting that they could get could get around really. Like the, a guy that was going to be transcendent, a guy that was going to be this great All Star level player. Uh, and they had it in Porzingis, and he was going to be the savior. And go back and watch some of the old Jesus and Mero videos about Porzingis and the graphics that they use and the way that they talk about him. And it's just crazy uh, what they thought about him. And so now he's coming to Dallas where Luca is getting all that love and praise that Porzingis got. And uh, we'll see what, how, he, how he feels about that. Um, coming up, best case, worst case scenario. Uh, worst case scenario, we're going to try to leave some injuries out. We'll mention the injuries, but we'll try to leave injuries out and, and talk about what we could you know see as a best and worst case scenario for Porzingis this summer, uh, this season, because the summer's over. Yes. Yes. All right, Isaac, let's start. Let's actually start with the worst case scenario. What do we think is the worst case scenario for Porzingis? I think one of them is if that Luca KP connection has some bumps in the road, which a lot of... NBA duos have bumps in the road. I think trios have more bumps than duos do. I think duos, they can work it out amongst themselves a lot better, especially if they're definitely the top two players on a team. There's just enough shots to go around for two guys. Three guys makes it hard, but there's enough shots to go around for two guys. We saw Paul George and Westbrook each take 20 shots a game last year. (laughs) Just wild. 
just crazy. Uh, but one worst case scenario is, is we realize that that combo is going to take some work in the clutch and to just work on offense, try and figure out how to play together. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to talk about with, with worst case scenario because I think outside of injuries, it's it's kind of difficult to paint a path for a worst case scenario because it, obviously a lot of it hinges on, you know, stuff flaring up with the injury stuff and just him coming back, rust from that, all that stuff. But as far as like pairing and stuff, this it, this is on paper in what we envision, a perfect pairing between him and Luca. This isn't a Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid type of thing of, all right, well, who's right. going to win their way with the systems? You know, it's two different type of systems that should be ran around both these guys. They both should be able to play at the highest level of their games together. So I, it's really hard to paint that picture. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing is, yeah, I mean, what happens in clutch sometime, especially if Porzingis uh, comes off, you know, super hot, you know, from the season and, you know, he's playing at an all-star type of level and then bam, who gets the ball in the clutch and all that stuff. But that's, I mean, if that's the, the biggest of our worries, then cool. That's great. Is there a worst case scenario where Porzingis goes the route of, not to the degree, but goes the route of Nerlens, where... It just no. doesn't work with Rick. Um, no, I think it's just something mentioned a little bit because we have seen, you know, somebody like Dennis Smith Jr. and Nerlens Noel, these young guys come into Dallas' system, and we know that Rick Carlisle is not you know, the easiest of coaches, you know, sometimes, a lot of the times. Uh, so, yeah, I think... He expects and, a lot it, from his players, and he expects he expects specifically a lot, like, like a specific amount of a lot from his players and especially the the players that are put thrust into roles of you know this guy is going to fulfill the the star role on you know the team whether it's sometimes it's the point guard who you're you're dominating the ball you're you're making all the plays or the defensive guy like Nerlens was supposed to be the defensive guy cleans up a lot of the stuff and plays his role on defense and you know it didn't work out for Nerlens it hasn't worked out for some point guards but Porzingis I think it's just it's just a different level than a lot of the guys that haven't worked with Carlisle and Rick's going to hold you accountable. We, yes. We've seen Rick. We see. We saw Rick yell at Luca plenty of times last year. How is Porzingis going to take that? I don't. I can't. I can't remember the type of coaching that he got up in New York. But he had like you know, four. <laughs> did he get that type of coaching up there? We don't know. He so, actually never yeah, played anyway. for Fisdale. Oh, poor guy. Um, poor guy for Porzingis because I love Fisdale. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's. Deepest, darkest path. Deep, I guess. That's the darkest timeline. If, if something yeah. like that happens, um, best case scenario. Let's let's focus on best case scenario. Yeah, we've, best case scenario. We've mentioned this before. I want to bring this up first. We mentioned this before, but best case scenario. What if Isaac Harris? What if uh, Porzingis is the best player on the Mavericks and not Luca? I think it's a real thing to throw out there. We've tried to throw this narrative out there before, and everything is about Luka, and rightfully so, because Luka just had one of the greatest rookie of the year seasons. And if it happens, we're definitely going to say we called it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it just it all goes back to it was really it was honestly the basis of me writing that Mavs.com article uh, when I when I threw that that story out there because just how good Porzingis was if he kept playing that season he would have won Most Improved Player of the Award you know that season he was All Star uh, just his stats I see he was just playing at an unreal level when he went down with that ACL tear and. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's definitely a possibility. And so when you look into best case scenario and you throw out there, he even said it the other day on his um 
uh, this Instagram Q and A thing. He threw out there defensive player of the year, and I'm throwing out there, uh, throwing out there all star stuff. And hey, what best case scenario? You ever want to win over all, fans? Just say you're going to try more on defense, and you're going to focus on defense. <clears throat> that always wins over fans, I think. Anthony Davis with the I'm going to be defensive player of the year. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this. I initially laughed it off on the Instagram thing and said, "Hey, shooting for the stars, bro." But when you look at some of his numbers, like blocks wise, is insane. Like, I mean. Not many players average over two blocks a game. When you even look at Rudy Gobert over the past, you know, yeah. couple of seasons, he won, you know, back to back defensive player of the year 2017-18. That season, he won uh defensive player of the year that year. But Porzingis, I mean, I know if we're just seeing that blocks uh, that year, but Porzingis is on, on track to have more blocks than him. I, I put some of these stats in there, but only Porzingis, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert in that ACL tear season averaged more than two blocks a game. Um, I put in, I said he finished the season with a total of 115 blocks. Porzingis had 115 blocks in 48 games last uh, in his last season in the league. That was tied for the eighth most in the league. And he only played 48 games. <laughs> and on top of that, Porzingis tallied the same amount of total blocks in 48 games as Carl Anthony Towns did in 82 games. So I say all that because Porzingis is he is an anchor on defense. He defends the rim. He blocks at an extremely high rate. He has a, he has an outside chance of that rookie um, rookie of the year of that is he Ben Simmons <laughs> that defensive player of the year award because you get somebody like Rudy Gobert when people throw his name out there for def- defensive player of the year they throw out the block numbers a lot and what he does for that Utah defense. I think Porzingis could have a Rudy Gobert type of impact on Dallas's defense. Man, the Mavericks would have to be they would have to be top two in defense for him to, to get consideration like that, I think. I think he could get consideration. Five. I'm not saying he would win it, but we're yeah. talking about best case scenario. Right. I think it's not like we're saying, hey, Dwight Powell, defense player of the year, you know, something like that. We're not saying <laughs> that. We're we're throwing his name out there. You look at we what haven't Miles been drinking Turner. yet. <laughs> we we look at what Miles Turner did in Indiana last year and his numbers and so I, I think the best case scenario that I do want to touch on the all-star thing real quick. I want to throw out dang time crap. But I do I do want to throw this out there. Look at what what type of numbers would he have to average next year to be an all-star? Because I looked at the bigs last year who made who made the all-star team. You're looking at Joel Embiid. He was at 27 and 13 when he made the all-star game. You look at the other bigs. Anthony Davis was at 26 points and 12, 12 boards. Carl Anthony Downs, uh, Towns, 23 and 12. Um, well, the numbers are just ridiculous because pace is back up. Shots for your superstars are, are way up because there's just more players averaging 25-plus points per game than yeah, ever so, before. But then you even look at the Western Conference and say, okay, I know a lot of people throw out there and say, all-star next year, Luka and KP. There's only so many spots, and I'm just going to say this too. If you think both players are going to make the all-star team, then they definitely need to be in the top like four Okay, or top five teams as far as record yeah, wise when do. it comes yes, when it comes to all star time. But if they're not, let's just say they're in the six to ten range and one of KP and Luca make it. If you're looking at all stars right now of who they have to be battling, I have eight people right now that I would put as locks. If we put Steph, James Harden, LeBron, Kawhi, and A D as your sure. starters next year. Man, because I think fans will vote them in, yes. and I think they'll have good seasons. But and then off the bench, you're still looking at Paul George, Damian Lillard, and Jokic. 
And so, I mean, right there you have eight people. So I think uh, immediately if if Porzingis is going to have an all-star season and be named an all-star next year, you're looking at him going head-to-head and his numbers and the team team's wins, looking at him going against somebody like Carl Anthony Towns. You're looking at LaMarcus Aldridge made it last year, and he was averaging 21 points and nine boards. Um yeah, because the rebound numbers have never been the greatest. You look at the bigs yeah. that I threw out there, Embiid, Giannis, Davis, Towns, Vucevic, like all of those had double-digit rebounds and when they were named as an all-star. The only bigs that were, didn't have double-digit rebounds that were named all-stars last year was Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge and Jokic, but Jokic made it for it obviously with the assist. So... Yeah, what will his numbers look like? You know, Towns made it last year, averaging 23 and 12. But can Porzingis get those boards up to around 10? Can he average 25 to 27 a game? Like, these are big numbers for KP. He made it as an all-star in the East, in the East, averaging 22 Mm. points a game. I don't know if 22 will will get you there in the West. So he might need to be looking at 25 to 27 points a game, you know, averaging around, you know, 8 to – 10 boards a game, Dallas as a six or seven seed, you know, it, you know, hopefully that, hopefully maybe higher come, you know, playoff time, uh, all-star time. I think that's best case scenario for him to be an all-star. I think we just have to get the vote on. Get out there, vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. <laughs> we got to we gotta vote these guys in because it's just going to be so – if you think that two Mavericks are going to make the all-star team, they're going to have to be both, both voted in, I think. But see – I mean, voted in is only going to happen with starters. And, I, I mean, I see – obviously, we saw where Luca was at last year. But, I mean, if we're looking at front court, I think the only guy you're going to have a legit shot at beating is, I guess, Kawhi because we know L.A. is going to come out in full force for Anthony well, Davis and LeBron. Luca had more votes for Steph. Luca had more votes than Steph last year, so. Okay. Well, yes. Okay, so he, he – it depends on if they make him as a will they make him a guard, will they make him a forward. Yeah, and uh, then it only counts as fifty percent of the the qualifications anyway. So, but so yeah, I mean, I think yeah, uh, Luca I think has the best shot to be an All Star next year uh, for for Porzingis. Best case scenario, what does an All Star slash Defensive Player of the Year look like for KP? You're looking at maybe a oh, man if that if he hits those marks. A deep playoff run, too, mm. on top of that. Mm. I mean, two and a half blocks a game. That's what he was at, you know, in that all-star season he had before. These are some high numbers we're throwing out there. But we're also talking about what's the best case scenario. Do we think – I think now we got to look in between. What What's the middle ground of best case scenario, worst case scenario, where do we think he lands in between that if, you know, he could still have an incredible season and not be named an all-star? For sure. There you go. That's Chris Apps Porzingis. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, again, be submitting your five-star iTunes reviews. You can tweet us at LockedOnMavs, at NickManExit, at Isaac L. Harris. Uh, and also DoorDash. Download $5 on your first order, $15 or more. Promo code LOCKEDON. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.